BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one podcast all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. My name is Taylor, and you are joining me for an episode that's going to be a little bit unusual. This is usually the time when I would introduce my good friend and co-host, Kelly. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, just after we recorded the last episode, uh, Kelly's internet went out. And he lost the internet and has still not gotten his internet back. Uh, I believe when I talked to him originally, it was supposed to be March 29th that he would get it back. So we were hopeful that we could record this episode. But unfortunately, as often happens, that got moved back and he still does not have internet. So I am going it alone this episode. Uh, Kelly did manage to watch some shows, send me some notes, so I will have those throughout the episode. But the rest of the episode will just be me. Uh, Kelly, just before I hit record on this episode, wanted me to speak on his behalf to say fuck AT&T, who has not yet fixed his internet, and leaves me alone here on this episode of Jumping Bomb Audio. If you want to reach out to Kelly and tell him how much you missed him on this episode, you can do so on Twitter, at Comic Geek Kelly. And if you want to reach out to me and tell me 
What a great job I did all by myself on the show. You can do that on Twitter at Taymanbo, T-A-M-A-I-M-B-O. And as always, make sure to follow our Twitter account, the show's Twitter account, at Audio. There we will tweet and we will also let you know when the newest episode goes up. The other way to find out if a new episode goes up is to subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice, whatever that happens to be. And if it happens to be Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and review. We would really appreciate it. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping bomb audio. So even though Kelly is not here today, we still got a big, big show to talk about. We got both nights of Stardom's World Climax shows from Ryogoku Sumo Hall, as well as Stardom's first round of the 2022 Cinderella Tournament. We got a couple other shows to talk about and a preview of Tokyo Joshi's upcoming Sumo Hall show. Not their Sumo Hall show. Of Tokyo Joshi's upcoming Korokin Hall show. Too much talk about Sumo Hall the last two weeks. Tokyo Joshi's upcoming Korokin Hall show. So we will dive into that. I did want to say, before the episode begins, it was just recently announced this weekend, that IWTV is going to start adding uh, shows from All Japan Wrestling. Uh, They have announced they will be uploading five shows a month. Uh, I have been told that there won't be any real rhyme or reason to which shows get uploaded when. They uploaded the first five this weekend covering uh, shows from 1989 and 1990. Uh, IWTV has a couple of other Joshi uh, options on their service uh they have some pure j shows so if you're interested in catching some all japan wrestling i would very much recommend checking them out some of those shows have been available on youtube for a little bit but the shows that iwtv are getting are directly from the master tape so the quality is much better uh someone on twitter don't remember who posted a comparison of the same show the sort of same screenshot from the YouTube upload and the IWTV upload and the quality is very visibly better on the IWTV episodes. But now let's dive in to the two big shows from Stardom, World Climax shows from Ryogoku Sumo Hall. The first one, Stardom's World Climax Night 1, the best from Ryogoku Sumo Hall in front of 2,712 fans on March 26th, 2022. The show opened with a Future of Stardom title match, as so often these big shows do. The Future of Stardom title match, the champion Hanan defending her title against Rina and successfully defending her title against Rina in seven minutes and five seconds i'll start off i'll kick it off with kelly's notes from this match kelly's notes 
Hannon is on a strong run. I keep coming away from her matches feeling very impressed. Rena more than held up her end too. This was a really good opener. And he gave it three and a quarter stars. I agree. I thought it was a fun match. I think Hannon has been really good. She had a good stretch muffler in this match. Uh, Rena hit a good uh, double knees in the match. So I thought that they both did well. I put fun, solid match. I think Hannon's uh, backdrop sort of finisher looks really great. She hit it here, and I thought it looked great. So a very strong opener, really solid. Having Hannon as the future Starnum champion has, uh, in my opinion, been very good. She's put on strong matches in this opener. Don't know who is going to uh, dethrone her. Maybe it will be the returning Hina. Uh, maybe it will be Miyu Amasaki, possibly, although she seems like she may be slightly uh, above the future of Stardom title based on the way that they speak about her. You know, they say, oh, she's the super rookie. She, you know, had the match with Utami on that new blood show. So we will have to see. The second match on the show part of two singles matches for Mirai over two days Mirai defeating Saya Ida in 10 minutes and 23 seconds with a Miramare which is Mirai's version of the Kimura lock Kelly said this ruled if these two keep it up they'll be the Ishii and Hanma of stardom a total beef slapper. Probably one of the best undercard matches you'll see all year. He gave it four and a quarter stars. And this is one I really wish Kelly was here because I disagree almost entirely. Uh, I thought it was, and we'll talk about uh, Mirai's other match on night two shortly. But I thought um, Mirai didn't look particularly good in either of these matches. I thought that she was outshone on both nights by her opponent, here by Saida. Uh, there's just something to Mirai. You know, I've talked about on this program, I really liked Mirai in Tokyo Joshi. But she was largely a sort of rookie learning the ropes. You know, she had gotten uh, the tag title shot. She was sort of building her way up. Um... And here, there's just something missing. You know, I'm not crazy about the look. The gear, to me, is very boring. Uh, this sort of black and blue gear that looks very sort of create a wrestler to me. Um, and to me, the match was... To me, Saya sort of is what I think they want sort of Mirai to be. So it made sense to put the two together. But Saida comes out, she's got that great gear, she's got the sort of attitude, she's really fun, she looks cool, she hits hard. You know, Mirai to me still feels like someone who's probably holding back a little bit. Um, sort of still maybe in that more Tokyo Joshi mindset. Um, and so it just didn't really ever click for me, the sort of tough, like, we're going to beat each other. I didn't think all of it looked particularly good or tough. I thought it sort of looked like people playing at that sort of style. Uh, but Kelly uh, disagreed with me there. He saw it the other way. So uh, 
yeah, but we'll also talk about it the next night. But Mirai, I just thought sort of, uh, I sort of left less impressed. Like I was like, oh, these are the chance to be impressed. And I left feeling like she's sort of mired in this weird space for me. Although, uh, as we'll talk about a little bit later, some big changes coming from for Mirai in terms of her alignment in stardom. So maybe that will be the big moment to really get her on track. The next match was the gauntlet four-way tag team match. Donna Del Mundo, the team of Himika, Mai Sakurai, and Natsupoi defeated um, the Cosmic Angels team of Mina Shirakawa, Waki Sukiyama, and Momokogo, and the Oedo Tai team of Fukigen Death, Ruaka, and Saki Kashima, and Queen's Quest, Azumi, Lady C, and Miyu Amasaki, who did turn out to be the X. That match in 9 minutes and 58 seconds. Oedo Tai beating Cosmic Angels in the first match of the gauntlet in 4 minutes and 9 seconds when Saki got the Mai emblem on Wakasukiyama. Queen's Quest then beat Oedo Tai. In 6 minutes and 48 seconds when Azumi got a bridging pin on Saki Kashima and Donna Del Mundo beating Queen's Quest after Himika hit the JP coaster on Lady C. Kelly's thoughts about this match. Waka once again takes the fall for her team. Poor girl might be the absolute bottom rung of the stardom ladder. Really good showing from the Queen's Quest team. Uh, I thought it was largely fine. Um, I'm not really all that crazy about these sort of gauntlet tag matches that sort of are like a team beats the team and then that team gets beaten. It's just sort of very neat and orderly, you know, one in, one out. But it gets people on the show. Um, I thought the best sort of match of all the sort of individual matches within the gauntlet was the last one, the Donna Del Mundo and Queen's Quest uh, match. I thought that was the highlight, but largely, I wrote, I wrote in my notes, shrug, fine, uh, which is sort of my opinion. I thought it was fine. Again, get people on the show, and yeah. The next match was sort of the beginning of the business end of the show as it was a tag team match between Prominence, the Prominence team of Risa Sara and Suzu Suzuki, who defeated the Donna Del Mundo team of Micah and Tekla in 10 minutes and 27 seconds after Suzu pinned Tekla after a deadlift German suplex. Kelly said, really good showcase for Prominence. Tekla worked her ass off to make sure her old friends looked great. This really just felt like an ice ribbon match from last year. Post-match brawl was cool. And he went three and a quarter stars. I was higher. So this is the opposite of that Mirai match. I thought this match was really good. I wrote really well-paced, fast-moving, great counters. Some heavy-hitting stuff by Suzu. Um, really highlighted. You could sort of tell at least to me, that three of these four people 
were at one time in Ice Ribbon because to me, when it was sort of Tekla against Risa, Tekla against Suzu, that is where the match really shone for me. Uh, not that Micah was bad in any way, but it was really highlighted by those three. Uh, Suzu, the standout, obviously, uh, one of, I think I think we can all say now, sort of pretty confidently, this is not in any way a hot take, Suzu Suzuki, one of the great uh, wrestlers in all of Joshi. Um, just does the really small stuff really well, has the attitude, has the personality, has really everything. And when I sort of talk about people, you know, in stardom who are, you know, I've often talked about someone like Utami, who I'm like, is missing that sort of next level, that sort of next thing that can make them really great. It's something that Suzu has, and it's not like you can just say, yeah, just be like Suzu. It's just sort of the charismatic, the natural charisma of someone like Suzu that really puts her over the top. Uh, I went four stars on the match. The Wrestling Observer, uh, Dave, went three and three quarters, so pretty close to four. Uh, I just thought it was a really strong match. The only probably negative side to me was made me sort of bummed about Ice Ribbon. You know, three of these uh, four people were in Ice Ribbon fairly recently. As of, you know, six months ago, they were all in Ice Ribbon. And now none of them are in Ice Ribbon. You know, prominence has shown up in Ice Ribbon since as freelancers. But makes you sort of bum because I thought it was a really unique match, a really cool match that showed off that sort of more Ice Ribbon style. The Ice Ribbon style that differentiates it from something like Stardom or really any other Joshi company. So that probably the only negative, uh, sort of a positive negative there. Uh, but a really good match, one I would uh, recommend checking out. Then we had another tag match on the show. This one was a tag title match for the Goddesses of Stardom tag titles, where the champions of Hazuki and Koguma losing the titles in 14 minutes and 8 seconds to the Oedo Tai team of Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid when Momo hit the Black Thunder on Koguma. A title change. I think both Kelly and I predicted this. Uh, not a huge surprise in terms of getting the title. You know, Starlight Kid losing the high-speed title to Azumi, uh, but still being booked very strongly, so moving her now into the tag title division with Momo, uh, which I think is a really good move. Uh, Kelly's thoughts on the match... I do not care for Momo's new gear. Really strong closing stretch with a bunch of cool team moves. The cheating didn't bother me because it left the door open for these teams to wrestle again. Um, my thoughts were I thought it was largely uh, a pretty fine, you know, okay match until the moment when Koguma got dropped on her head on a suplex and then she did a great suplex of her own. Um, I didn't like the interference. I've said it before, uh, that 
the 080 tie interference sort of annoys me. It sort of annoys me now that there's been slightly less of it, I think. Um, sort of a weird thing where now that they're not doing it so often, it's like the opposite of the Oz Academy issue, which is that on Oz there's always interference. So much that it sort of becomes part of the... It really is part of the fabric of the way that those shows work. And now that there's less, I'm like, I wish there was even less interference. Uh, but I totally understand where Kelly's coming from in that you can, you know, you now can probably run this back, say, well, you interfered, we won another title shot, and it makes sense. Although the next title match for, or the first title match for this new Oedo Tai team will not be Hazuki and Kogumo. We'll talk about that later. Um, and also I was interested at the end, I went, uh, I'll say I went three and three quarters, so I thought it was a really strong match still, even with that interference. And I was very interested in the end. Uh, lots of shots on really both nights of Natsuko Tora. Uh, there was sort of a shot at the end with Momo in the ring celebrating. Then they went back to Tora. Um, and sort of interesting, I'm sure that she's probably getting close to coming back. Uh, so maybe setting up some kind of feud. Uh, it really has sort of become in the time that Torah has been gone, uh, Oedo Tai sort of has become the team of Momo and Starlight Kid. I think they are really the leaders, but Torah was the sort of obvious leader before she was injured. Obviously, Momo and Starlight Kid were not in the group then, uh, but I think there could be some interesting story implications there with Torah returning to a team that maybe she might have to uh, battle to take back a leadership role or maybe she's not given a leadership role back and maybe she's you know thrown out of the group or something like that it's a thing that we often see in uh, promotions like uh, Dragon Gate in terms of these you know people come back and things are different maybe they were in the heel unit and they were you know they're thrown out or they don't want to be in the heel unit anymore so an interesting development for uh, down the line. The next match, one of the biggest matches on the show, though it wasn't for a title, was the return of Kyrie, formerly Kyrie Hojo, formerly Kyrie Sane, now just Kyrie returning to stardom, teaming with her old teammate Mayu Iwatani. They took on the Cosmic Angels team of Tom Nakino and Unagi Sayaka with the Kyrie Mayu team picking up the win in 17 minutes and 36 seconds after Mayu pinned Unagi after a moonsault. Uh, the notes from Kelly. Kyrie looked great in her return, not a bit of ring rust on her. Unagi looked like she belonged in this match. Action was solid throughout. Three and three quarters stars. Uh, I'm totally... Uh, right there with Kelly, I thought the match was great. I think largely because I was just so happy about seeing Kyrie back. I talked about it on the show before. I was a huge Kyrie fan um, before she left. She's one of the reasons I originally got into stardom. Uh, she was one of my favorites. So I feel like part of the match was sort of lifted for me just to see Kyrie back. 
Like, I really loved the match. I went four stars. I thought it was really good. I thought the ending was good. Um, I wrote great stuff. But part of it is, if you sort of ask me, like, what did you really like about the match? I think the main thing I sort of liked about the match was I got to see Kyrie again. Like, that was so exciting to me. Not that the match was bad, but that was sort of the thing that floated the whole thing for me. I went four stars. Kelly went three and three quarters. Uh, Dave in the Observer Newsletter went three and a half. Uh, So that sort of all lines up. I mean, to me, if you're sort of less invested in the Kyrie return story or idea, maybe it was a match that didn't connect as much for you. But for me, to see her back, see her with Mayu, uh, taking on, you know, this strong team, especially Unagi, who I totally agree with Kelly, has really... Uh, blossomed, is really good, really belongs in this spot, in this company, um, and impresses me more and more seemingly every outing. Uh, this was one I just I just super enjoyed. I also thought, I have to say, we don't talk about the um, intro videos a lot, or I don't, uh, but I really love the Kyrie um, intro video showing off the new moves, uh, the cutlass, uh, you know, the back fist that she does, the leg lock that she added to her repertoire. I think stuff like that to me is really cool. Uh, it's really interesting. I really love the sort of, um, I don't know what you call it, but I love the idea of sort of highlighting like this is a person who's really good, is trying to be better. And the way that she is better is that she's adding new moves. You know, people might know everything I do. Uh, so here is, you know, a brand new thing that I do. I'm adding moves to my repertoire. I'm trying to stay ahead. I'm trying to get better. That stuff to me is really cool, really fun, uh, and just adds a little to the match, to the excitement of Kyrie coming back. The semi-main event was for the Wonder of Stardom title, the champion Saya Kamatani retaining her championship, defeating Utami Hayashita, in 27 minutes and 11 seconds after a Phoenix splash, Kelly's thoughts on the match. I don't know if it's just because I'm watching it work or just because I'm stressed about being so far behind, but I'm super bored by this match. Overall, I thought it was fine. I struggled to get into Saya matches, and this had all the problems I have with all her other big matches. This is more of a me problem than the match being bad or anything. He went three and a half stars. It's very weird to me because I liked it um, better than Kelly. I went four stars. It wa- But it was one of those matches where it was like a weird flip for me. Where I was sort of sitting there, I was like, this is fine. You know, sort of the way that sort of Kelly describes it, like, This is fine. I'm not really actively engaged in the match. But then sort of near the end, I was like, wait, I sort of do like this. Um, I sort of got into it. I can't even really explain why. Um, But just at the end, I was like, oh, I'm sort of am invested. You know, I was not spoiled on the outcome. So I thought, you know, there was a chance maybe Utami wins the match. I didn't think it was a huge chance because I thought that would be sort of a strange thing to do. But I don't know. I just sort of liked it. Uh, Another one, sort of two matches in a row where I'm like, I liked it and I can't really explain why. I do have to shout out 
Um, Saya nearly landing on top of her dome, flipping over after that lariat that Utami gave her on the apron. That looked very <laughs> weird. Um, I did write in my notes that Saya is the Sabu of stardom, which came to me during this match. Sabu, sort of beloved uh, figure in ECW who was notoriously known for sort of doing things. Um, it was like, oh, I'm going to do this, whatever the move is. And it might not work. Might not happen. Uh, but I'm going to go for it. And that sort of reminds me of Saya. She's sort of less, I think, less reckless than you would think of with someone like Sabu. But it does sort of have that weird feeling of... Like, oh, here she goes for something. Oh, is this going to work? I don't know. We'll see. Usually it works out. Uh, we talked about that Phoenix Splash a couple episodes ago where she uh, nearly came down knees on face. That was one that I think of. Um, but yeah, and I thought this a lot. You know, I am not a big safety police guy in terms of wrestling. In terms of, you know, you shouldn't do this. I believe wrestlers can do whatever. If the wrestlers want to do it and you're not actively, you know, harming someone else um, in the process, the other person's agreed to it or, you know, they do something to you. I think that that's fair game in terms of wrestlers. There were a lot of moves on this show. And I think it was the first night in particular where I was like, oh boy, if this is another you know, maybe three inches this way, that way. This is causing big injury. A lot of those drivers, a lot of the, uh, you know, like glorious driver type moves, suplexes, things. I'm like, wow, we are really skating on the edge here. Even more than just Saya, who I feel like always sort of skates on the edge of some of these things sort of working versus not working. But I was like, I don't know what it was, but... I even, I think, wrote it as a note in my main event review. Like, someone, I don't know, it just feels like one of these things is not going to work out and something's going to happen. I mean, they all worked out here, so I guess keep doing them. Um, but it was just something that sort of called out to me where I was like, ooh, this could be, uh, you know, sometimes you hit the move and you just sort of sit there and you're like, ooh, that was close. But again, I like the match. I went four stars. Uh, so a very strong uh, semi-main event for this show. And the the Wrestling Observer went three and a half, so a little bit lower than uh, me, but right in line with what Kelly had. And then the main event was for the World of Stardom title, the champion Shuri defeating Julia in 26 minutes and 54 seconds with the Shu. Sekai, uh, Kelly's notes were, I absolutely loved the level of intensity they brought to the match. Early on, things weren't connecting with me, but once they got past the grappling on the outside and the referee stuff, I was way into it. Great, hard-hitting stuff. Four and a half stars. I have the same uh, rating as Kelly. I went four and a half stars. I thought it was a really great match. I thought that there were some... Early on, there were a couple weird clunky sequences where it was like one of them was waiting for the other to hit their move. So they would just sort of stand in the middle of the ring 
And I was like, hmm, that's weird. But it was only, I think, once or twice pretty early on in the match, and they sort of got through it. I thought Siri's kicks looked really great. Uh, some really fun um, headbutts late in the match. I did find it weird that Julia came out in red. Siri was in red. Julia was in red. That was a little bit strange for me, obviously, having watched. It's not like I couldn't tell them apart or anything, but usually that's something that I feel like wrestlers tend to stay away from. Dressing is the same in the same color as your opponent. Uh, so that was a funny thing. But I just thought it was great action, hard hitting. I mean, like I said, those kicks, great finishing sequence. So to me, this was the highlight of night one. And frankly, not to spoil my thoughts on night two, I thought this was the best match of both shows. Um, I sort of tried to, after I was done with both shows, sort of gauge the reaction online just sort of in a basic way. I think a lot of people ended up finding night two better than night one um, on the whole and also individual matches. I disagree with that. I thought night one was far the superior match. I mean, you look at what I had really starting with the prominence match. I had four, you know, four stars, three and three quarters, four, four, four and a half, which is a pretty strong end to the show. I just thought it was great. Some big title matches. I also think it was helped for me by, I think the matches on the first night were more sort of up in the air for me. You know, I thought Saya was going to win, but Utami probably could have win the following night. I didn't think Tom was going to beat Saya. You know, same with Shuri. Julia, I'm like, well, Julia could win. I thought it might happen when we talked about it in the preview. Shuri wins. I didn't think Mayu was going to beat Shuri. In fact, I thought... If anything, we're not going to have, you know, if Shuri didn't win, it would probably have gone to a time limit draw, which it didn't end up going to a time limit draw. So just some more, you know, the, the tag titles, I thought they could probably switch. Um, you know, the prominence match I thought was more up in the air. So just to me, a little bit better, uh, the Superior Show. Overall, I thought this was a great show. I thought it was a show that really, if you haven't seen it, um, Obviously, starting with that prominence match, you're going to get a bunch of really good matches. But, you know, I think if you really start from the beginning of the show, you know, there's not that many more matches to watch. And I thought really the whole show was very strong. So I would recommend just going in and watching the whole thing. Night 2, Stardom World Climax Night 2, The Top from Ryugoku Sumo Hall in front of 3,085 fans on March 27, 2022, the very next night. Uh, the show started again, like the first show, with a Future of Stardom title match. Hannon defeating Mei Sakurai, retaining her title in 6 minutes and 20 seconds with a backdrop hold. Kelly's notes on this match, my still feels very unnatural in the ring, but a solid enough opener. Uh, he went two and a half stars. Uh, I sort of agree. My notes was I did sort of zone out. I wasn't super interested um, in the match. My sort of one complaint would be, and sort of watching these two shows back to back, 
you know, sort of equally big shows in the same play, in the same venue, really sort of brings out a lot of the structures of the way that a lot of these things are very similar in terms of matches, in terms of setups and things like that. I believe if I looked correctly that um, I think every match on every one of these car on both of these cards had a forearm exchange in it. Um, it's just very weird to me that that's sort of become the standard middle of a match thing that every match now has. I've talked about on the show before. I'm not crazy about them. Um, I mainly like them when there's a reason for them. They have some energy, but it feels like so many of the match, like this match had it for a reason I didn't really understand except for the fact that it's like, well, everyone else does it in every match, so we'll just do it in this match. It's like when you really save it for those moments when it's like we are, you know, we're, this is a grudge match. We're really mad at each other. We're going to stand in the middle of the ring and we're going to really hit each other. Like that totally makes sense to me. And some people, you know, like uh, Shuri, Julia, Mayu, Kyrie, you know, sort of big people like that can certainly pull it off. But so much of it just sort of feels like going through the motions of, well, this is what we have to do now. And we'll just sort of stand and we'll sort of lightly forearm each other for, you know, a minute. And then we'll just sort of move on is not exciting to me and I was sort of most concerned I put it as a note here because I was sort of most concerned to see it uh, here in a match where I think you probably in my opinion wouldn't do it you know you save it for those bigger grudgier matches uh, to me but other than that I largely thought it was you know a perfectly serviceable opener nothing to get all that excited about but fine the next match was the Cinderella Rumble match in a big surprise, at least a big surprise to me. May Saruga winning the Cinderella Rumble match after eliminating Miyu Amasaki uh, Unagi Sayaka, who won the first Cinderella Rumble a year plus ago, eliminated third. Um, in the match and this was I mean this was super fun to me there's not a lot specifically that I can really call out there there was a lot going on people entering in duos uh, based on their affiliation which I found super interesting um, something that you really never see in terms of people entering two by two I didn't really understand it at first, I was like, oh, people are coming in this match very quickly, and there's so many of them. Uh, but coming in as duos, but I really liked the sort of shock win of someone, a non-stardom member, winning this uh, Rumble. Uh, Kelly said, May wins the Cinderella Rumble. May! He wrote May, and then he wrote four exclamation points. The match itself was whatever two stars um yeah i don't have a lot to say about the match but i just thought it was super fun to get that you know it got down to sort of unagi may and miyu and i thought okay unagi's gonna win it again because she's sort of the experienced stardom 
quote-unquote veteran, I mean, compared to Miyu, and May is from not stardom. And May won, and May used that to later in the show challenge for the high-speed title, which I think will be a super fun match. But I thought that this was great, and I think it gives a little juice to, you know, if this becomes a yearly uh, match type, the Cinderella Rumble, I think it really gives the next one sort of a level of interest now that you've introduced the idea that someone not in stardom could win. I think that's very powerful. You know, people do that a lot with uh, all kinds of different things, you know, matches ending in DQ, because then you say, well, a match could end in a DQ. It could end in a this. A big example I can think of is AEW often goes to those picture-in-pictures while matches are happening. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E330. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two-way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24-7 customer support, and you'll love this, none of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a Smart Lock 330 and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus, it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car if I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys, and the two-way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufiofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill and the assumption is essentially you go to picture in picture, the match continues, you come back, the match is still happening. And it ends, and I think a year or so ago, they ended a match in the middle of picture in picture, which I thought was really interesting because then it introduces the fact that 
you know, the picture in picture is not something just to sort of ignore when they throw to it, but that the match might end. I think introducing these sort of wrinkles and things is a lot of fun. The next match was the second of two Mirai singles matches. Mirai losing to Utami in 11 minutes and 22 seconds after Utami put on the sleeper hold. Uh, Kelly said, solid victory for Utami to rehab back from the loss on the previous night. Three stars. This was another one where I just wrote in my notes, Mirai, I think, was outshone again. I think she didn't look particularly good. I mean, she is in there on this night with Utami, who's one of the top members of the promotion. So a little bit harder there, but just sort of left the weekend sort of so-so on Mirai, as I already talked about. The next match was another sing special singles match, Momo Watanabe and Hazuki. Momo Watanabe defeating Hazuki in 12 minutes and 19 seconds with a peach sunrise. And Kelly's notes was really good, fast-paced, hard-hitting match. Three and a half stars. I also, I'm right in line with him, probably three and a half. I said, you know, fun match, sort of at this place on the card. Squeeze between, uh, you know, sort of the rumble spot and the beginning of the title matches. Sort of a hard place to be. I wrote not all that much to it, but I probably would have gone three and a half stars. I think a match that was uh, fine. The next match was the first title match on this show. The high-speed title three-way match. The champion Azumi retaining her title over Koguma. And Natsupoi in 8 minutes and 10 seconds after Azumi hit the Azumi Sushi on Natsupoi. Uh, my notes, uh, Kelly's notes, are fun enough match with some super contrived spots. Didn't reach the heights I was hoping for. Uh, I feel really exactly the same. I wrote this is not as much fun as probably a 1 versus 1 would be. Um... You know, there were some sort of strange bots trying to pin both people, but it was, you know, at first there were some attempts to pin both people, but I thought, why would you try and pin both people? And then I thought, oh, wait, is this an elimination match? But then it turned out it wasn't an elimination match. Um, you know, I always have high expectations for these high-speed title matches because I love the style, um, but I think sort of the three-way match style sort of hurt them where it's a little bit harder to do that fast paced go 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 style when you're constantly you know now it's us now it's the two of us now it's the two of us things like that i thought it was still you know fine i would probably be close to where kelly was in terms of three and a quarter stars but afterwards may Suruga coming out to challenge azumi to a high speed title match which I wrote in my notes, hell yeah, I think that match will be really great, a one-on-one -on -one match. That will be uh, super, that will be super fun. Kyrie had her second return match, this time a singles match, defeating Starlight Kid in 17 minutes and 51 seconds with the insane elbow. Now, if I remember correctly, the elbow was not called the insane elbow in 
when she was originally in stardom. It was called the Insane Elbow because her name in WWE was Kyrie Sane. And to me, if her name is not Kyrie Sane anymore, wouldn't she rename the elbow? I don't know. Just something I thought of. Uh, Kelly's notes were Kyrie defeats Starlight Kid. Another great showing from Kyrie in her return. Starlight Kid looked like she belonged in there with Kyrie. Four stars from Kelly. I was not as high as Kelly. I thought it sort of started out a bit sluggish for me. Um, and it later in the match, it had some really good sequences, some good headbutts. Uh, a lot of the back fists from Kyrie looked really good. But never quite got to that next level. I probably would have been at three and a half, probably. Uh, there was a funny moment when Starlight Kid hit a, a moonsault to the outside, I believe, which you couldn't see because Ruaka was standing directly in front of the camera that was trying to shoot the move. Uh, just a, a funny thing. But, you know, this was the match, I think I said it in the preview, that I was sort of most excited for on both of these shows. The match that I thought was a sleeper sort of pick in terms of match of the night match of the weekend capabilities just because I love Starlight Kid, love Kyrie, Starlight Kid coming off that great match with Azumi. Uh, as I said, that sort of classic stardom style match, uh, which we know Kyrie is capable of delivering, but I just thought never quite hit that never quite hit that next level for me, although the Wrestling Observer did go three and three quarters on the match, so one of those where we're all sort of three and a half, three and three quarters, four. Um, you know, wish it was a little better, but still a very strong return weekend. You know, if there was any fear, I didn't really have this fear, but if anyone had the fear that Kyrie would come back and not be able to keep up, I think that that was uh, put to the side. Uh, Kyrie showing she is more than capable of still delivering in stardom. The next match was the big eight-man tag team match with prominence. The Donna Del Mundo team of Julia, Himika, Micah, and Tekla defeating prominence. The prominence team of Akane Fujita, Mochi Miyagi, Risa Sarah, and Suzu Suzuki in 16 minutes and 3 seconds after Julia pinned Mochi Miyagi. Kelly's notes on this match, the sequence between Suzu and Julia might have been my favorite bit of the two shows. Good intensity. He went four and a quarter stars. Big rating for him. This another one. I think I'm a bit lower than him, but I had the same exact note. My first note on this match, I said, had a different energy with Julia and Suzu in the match than anyone else. Uh, they just fit together really well. I thought they delivered some really great sequences. Wasn't as crazy about some of the rest of the match. I said another match with some good sequences that never quite got to the next level. I was sort of in the three and three quarters range-ish. Uh, to me, I sort of found the Julia pulling up Suzu on the pin a bit strange. Um, it was a bit strange because I don't really know why it happened. And usually when someone pulls someone up on a pin, either they then hit a move and they're like, now you're finished. Or it turns, off, it turns around on them. 
where it's like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Now they've made a comeback. And there was some of that. But then Julia just pinned Miyagi and the match ended. So just sort of a weird thing. I am really uh, wanting, looking forward to a prominence hardcore match. They are a hardcore, you know, they're a deathmatch promotion. I'm assuming that... uh, to that degree, won't happen in stardom, a death match. Uh, but it it has felt a bit strange to have these people here and not really focus on that. I also think it would have been a sort of nice variety on this show with a lot of sort of big matches. This was an eight-person tag match, which gave it a little bit of variety, but I think a sort of hardcore match would have been... Um, a lot of fun but maybe that is uh coming down the road the wrestling observer by the way on this match went three and a half the semi main event the wonder of stardom title match the second in two days saw the champion saya kamatani once again retain her title defeating tom nakino in 21 minutes and 10 seconds after she reversed tom into a pin Kelly saying, my favorite Saya match in a while. She and Tom have great chemistry, and this didn't fall into the regular Saya match trappings. The ending, while being botched, managed to work because it sold the exhaustion. Kelly all the way up at four and a half stars. Uh, big rating, and a rating, I have to say, I uh, am not really all that. Therefore, I never really got into this match much. Um, I thought it was perfectly average for the first part until they did that Frankensteiner from the top rope to the outside, which sort of woke me up and I was like, oh, here we go. And then it, you know, there were some nice things after that, but never really got to me. I went three and a half. I thought it was one of those, you know, sort of fine matches. I liked the, you know, leap from the whatever we once I once again don't know what that thing is called the doorway or whatever you want to call it um so yeah I just thought it was a uh you know perfectly servable match but one that I never really got hooked into all that much so just three and a half for me the wrestling observer went four and a quarter on this match and I believe if I remember correctly um from reading the newsletter that this was voted by the people who watched and sent in their opinions, was voted the match of the night uh, for night two. Um, But just one more match on this second night, the main event for the World of Stardom title, Suri the Champion defeating Mayu Iwatani in 28 minutes and 57 seconds with the White Tiger. Kelly's notes, this was an objectively really good match that didn't super connect with me but he went four stars i sort of feel in a in a way the same i also went four stars it was a match that i thought was really slow but in the end the slowness sort of worked for me in a way i thought it was just one of those um how do i describe this I was like, it's slow, and it sort of kept slow. Like, it didn't speed up. I kept sitting there being like, oh, and then at some point they're going to, like, go crazy, and it's just going to be like, move, 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 because they've been going slow. But they just sort of kept going slow, which I think helped it. 
probably because it then didn't make the beginning of the match look like, oh, they had been going so slow and now they're <laughs> speeding up. Uh, I don't know. I just sort of enjoyed it. I mean, Shuri, to me, this is a match. I, I think this really proves to me, and I've said this already, so this is not a surprise, how good Shuri is that even in this match that I was like, this is sort of slow, that still her kicks, her moves really connect with me still. And, you know, being in there with someone like Maya who is so consistent, I think it was two great people. It wasn't sort of the big, oh, this match is so good, you know, sort of climax to the weekend of shows. But, I mean, I... One of those matches, I can't really explain why I enjoyed it, but I also went four stars. So Kelly and I both going four stars... Uh, the Wrestling Observer went three and three quarters, so all pretty close. Um, but as you can sort of tell from the ratings as I went through them, uh, I thought night two, uh, sort of far below night one, I thought night one was one of the better, um, to me, stardom shows. I'm trying to think, certainly in the last year, maybe since that Budokan show, you know, the big Budokan show, which I thought was really great. Um, and there have been some strong shows, but just with the number of four-star plus matches on night one, didn't quite get there on night two. Um, but two very strong, two very strong shows. And if you know you were looking to sort of pick and choose, you could probably create a pretty strong. Uh, you know, if you said, "Oh, I only have time for one," you know, one show's worth of matches. You could probably get there uh, and have a pretty solid show combining night one and night two, but two good shows for stardom and a good weekend for them. So before we go on to talk about the Cinderella tournament, first I want to talk about HelloFresh, which is sponsoring this episode of the podcast with HelloFresh you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. And HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week including veggie fit and wholesome family friendly and gourmet options providing plenty of variety and those fit and wholesome recipes are great for satisfying and nutritious meals that you can feel good about with six recipes per week to choose from including low calorie and carb conscious options so a ton of options for you with hellofresh and if this sounds really interesting to you, you can go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's right. Go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So, stardom was not done. 
the weekend after just happened on April 3rd, the first round of Stardom's Cinderella Tournament uh, was just hosted. 16 matches in all. The show in total was about three and a half hours long. Lots happening. Uh, just a quick run through of the matches here. Shuri defeating her new bodyguard who was debuted. Uh, neglected to mention that. Debuted on the first night of the Sumo Hall shows. The former Amy Miura, now going by Amy Sore. Uh, and she came out during the Cinderella Tournament press conference to ask for a match with Shuri, which she got on the Cinderella Tournament show. Shuri winning and moving into the next round. Himika defeating Ruaka. Hazuki defeating Miyu Amasaki. Azumi defeating Momo Watanabe. Julia defeating Tekla in a bit of a surprising result. I thought that might go to a time limit draw. Koguma defeating Fukigen Death, Saya defeating Rina, Lady C, uh, Mika, uh, excuse me, May Sakurai defeating Lady C, uh, Utami and Tom Nakino going to a time limit draw, Mirai defeating Mina Shirakawa, uh, and Saki Kashima defeating Wakasukiyama, Mayu Iwatani defeating Momokogo, Unagi Saika defeating Hina. Natsupoi defeating Starlight Kid, Micah defeating Hanan, and then Micah going to a, what I would consider, controversial draw with Saya Kamatani in what was the first of the second round matches. Uh, I did watch this show earlier today. Uh, a really fun show. I thought overall it really flew by. A very easy show to watch. Really, to me, is really indicative of the of the strength of having a sort of variety. It didn't feel like a lot of the other sort of bigger stardom shows they've had recently. You know, these quick matches, sort of anything can happen. I thought all the matches were good. I was sort of sitting there um, thinking, you know, all these matches are good. There's nothing really blow away. And then, of course, the next match was... Uh, Natsupoi and Starlight Kid, which Natsupoi won, a match that I thought was really, really good. Uh, I ended up going four stars. It felt to me just like they sort of went out and did a high-speed match. I think it lasted eight minutes or something. Uh, just a really fun, fast-paced match. That one we're checking out right afterwards. Uh, the Tom Nakinoi Tommy match, which went to the 10-minute time limit draw, I thought was super fun. Um, Julia... Tekla was really good with, as I said, that surprising win for Julia. Uh, Azumi Momo looked to be going that way until Azumi sort of picked up the quick win. So it was sort of a, a little bit of a too short match to really get to that next level. But I would highly recommend checking out really the whole show. It's also a great show uh, or would be a great show for people... If they haven't watched the promotion, uh, to sort of see everyone. I mean, this is really the entire, I mean, not Kyrie, but that's sort of a different thing. But sort of everyone, get all their personality, get them in. You know, the matches don't overstay their welcome. You're getting finishes on most of them. 
you know, 14 of the 16 or 17 matches, however many it is. Uh, I will say I did have to laugh that in that Micah faced Hanan, you know, Siri was originally supposed to get the first round by and then face the winner of Himika and Ruaka in the, you know, face the winner of Himika Ruaka, but she had the match with Amy Sore, so that didn't end up happening. But Micah beating Hanan at the beginning of the show, and then they didn't even, you know, in kayfabe, give her the whole show to recover as she ended up having the match with Saya in the sort of middle of the show. I thought, well, it would sort of be nice in kayfabe if you gave her the rest of the show to, you know, rest up and relax. They didn't do that. Um, and I thought the sort of finish of that match was weird. They went to a, t they went to a draw where uh, Micah had Saya in a sort of power bomb-y type position on the apron. And then they both sort of went off. It was sort of that, um, I don't remember which Royal Rumble it was, but, you know, the Royal Rumble where they had to go to that instant replay with Triple H and uh, whoever it was, it was like, whose feet hit first? And I thought that's what they were going to do. It seemed pretty obvious to me, looking at it in real time, that Micah, because she had Saya up sort of in a position to do a move, her feet hit first and then Saya hit. And I thought, oh, maybe they'll go to a replay. But they ended up just being like, well, it's a draw. And, you know, that's fine. I just sort of thought it was weird because looking at it in real time, I thought, oh, obviously Micah is out. It doesn't really matter to Micah because if it turns out to be a draw, she's out anyway or she's out if she loses. But uh, just sort of one of those things where I got where they were going for, but I'm not sure they executed it perfectly. I probably would have done a different move and not a power bomby type move. But, you know, say la vie. The other, uh, well, I guess the two other big events of this show, uh, after that draw, Micah challenged Saya for the white belt. I think that match is going to happen May 5th. And probably the biggest news of the show was after the final match, uh, Shuri announcing her new unit. She's splitting away from Donna Del Mundo, splitting away from Julia. She will have a new unit. It will be her. It will be Amy Sore. And coming out right at the end to join was Mirai. Uh, Mirai joining this new unit, which will be known as God's Eye. So an interesting name. Mirai, I actually thought her match against Mina Shirakawa Another really strong match. So I thought after two sort of lesser matches on those sumo hall shows, I thought Mirai sort of turned it around, had a really fun match with Mina here, ended up winning, uh, throwing Mina over the top rope. So combined with that, sort of good match, joining this new God's Eye group. There's only three of them so far, so I'm assuming we will see some additions to this group coming up. But a new name, a new unit in stardom. So that is very uh, exciting. So what else has happened over the last two weeks of Joshi Wrestling? Uh, Seedling had a show on March 31st. The main event, Miyuki Takase and Yu taking on the best friends of Tsukasa Fujimoto and Arisa Nakajima. 
Um, going to be seeing a lot of Sukasa in uh, seedling as she gets ready to go to take her leave of absence. I know that there is an upcoming Arisa uh, Sukasa match coming up, I believe, at the end of April. Oz had two shows um, on March 27th. Mai Yukihi and Mayumi Osaki defeating Rina Yamashita and Sonoko Kato in the main event. And then just today, Oz had their uh, big Korokin Hall show that we talked about last episode. I didn't see that yet. Um, Tokyo Joshi, a pretty big show on March 26th. The Nadoka Tenma graduation retirement show. Um, in the main event, Tenma and Ayono, uh, Yuki Ayono, losing to Shoko Nakajima and Miyu Yamashita. Uh, there was discussion about Tenma's retirement, and Yuki said, now that Tenma is gone, she is going to be on her own, and her first action was to challenge Shoko Nakajima for her Princess of Princess title. We'll talk about that in the upcoming preview for the Tokyo Joshi Cork and Hall show. And also on that show, Suzume and Ariso Endo defeating Yuki Arai and Moka Miyamoto to become the number one contenders for the tag titles. So they will take on the Magical Sugar Rabbits at that same Cork and Hall show. Uh, Tokyo Joshi also having a show on April 2nd where Nakajima, Sakazaki, and Mizuki defeated Yuki Aono. Suzume and Ariso Endo in a big preview of their upcoming matches. Uh, Ice Ribbon had a number of shows on March 27th. Kari Shimizu and Saki defeating Hamako Hoshi and Ibuki Hoshi to become the Ice Ribbon Tag Team Champions. Uh, Very happy to see Saki winning some uh, championship gold here. You know, Saki sort of smacks me as now that she's, you know, she has the sort of color stuff, uh, but now that she's outside of the world of actress girls, sort of was starting to strike me as the new you, the new Itsuki Aoki of the Joshi scene, someone getting booked a lot of places, but hasn't really been winning a lot of matches. And, you know, I like um, Itsuki Aoki, you know, like you, but I think that they have experienced a thing where they got used a ton uh, sort of in a short period of time without really winning any big matches. And I think sometimes that hurts their ability to sort of drum up excitement because they get all these title shots and it's like, oh, they're getting a title shot and they're going to lose. So I'm happy to see, and obviously Saki is a great wrestler. So that's another reason why, but I'm happy to see them become the Ice Ribbon Tag Champions, and Sakushi defeating Totoro Satsuki to retain the Ice Infinity title uh, on on April 2nd. Asahi defeated Ibuki Hoshi to become the number one contender to the Ice Infinity title, and uh, just today, April 3rd, uh, the Sakushi retirement show happened. I didn't see any information about that yet but that did happen today marvelous had a show on march 22nd with a couple more matches in the triple aw tag team title tournament Uh, wave had their 
monthly first of the month show on April 1st. Hibiscus Me and Yuki Miyazaki defeating Haruka Umasaki and Miyuki Takase to win the Wave Tag titles. Those Wave Tag titles really flying all over the place here. Uh, new holders in Hibiscus Me and Yuki Miyazaki. And Nagisa Nosaki defeated Saki to retain the Regina de Wave title. In Choco Pro, Kelly did send in some notes about two of the shows that recently happened. Choco Pro 213 on March 26, 2022. Emi Sakura and Ryu Mizunami defeating Saika Obihiro and Hagane Shino. Kelly saying this was probably the best match Obihiro has had since her match with Honda in the early days of Choco Pro. Exactly as hard-hitting and fast-paced as I was hoping it would be. He went four stars. And Choco Pro 214, which was their second anniversary show, <laughs> hard to believe, on March 27th, Meisuruga and Haruka Umasaki defeating Sayaka and Kariyoniyama. Kelly saying, this was definitely a high-speed style match. Highlight of the match for me was the stiff elbow exchange between Sayaka and Umasaki. Very fun match, three and a half stars. And also on that show, Bali and Aki defeating Emi Sakura and Kelly said Choco Pro is back. This match was incredible. You only get this kind of match from two wrestlers that know each other so well. Everything was so quick and so smooth, but at the same time it was brutal and violent. Such a great master versus student match. He went four and three quarters. I have not seen that yet, so I will definitely be checking that one out. And that is everything that happened over the last two weeks of Joshi. And coming up, a lot of big shows, starting with Stardom. They have a show on April 9th. I think it's just a house show. On April 10th, they have a show that will be the start of the second round of the Cinderella Tournament. I believe there's only going to be a handful of matches for the Cinderella Tournament on that uh, card that card will be main evented most likely by the first defense of the new tag team champions Starlight Kid and Momo Watanabe will defend their tag titles against Julia and Tekla and then on April 17th at Corican Hall the Cinderella tournament will continue with round two and the quarterfinals of the Cinderella tournament. Uh, a bit of a fun show coming up. The Corican 60th anniversary celebration. New Japan and All Japan will be holding a joint show. And a bunch of Joshi promotions will be holding a joint show on April 15th. The card is Riko Kawahara against Maria. Asahi, Krie, Kaho Matsuhida versus Madeline, Nanami, and Kanon. Tomoko Watanabe, Kari Yoniyama, and Yuki Mashiro versus Yuki Miyazaki, Sakura Hirota, and Hibiscus Mi. Koguma, Manami, and Chie Ozora versus Yuko Sakurai, Riko Kaiju, and Lady C. Hyoko Inoue, Sonoko Kato, and Leon versus Akino, Aiko Sato, and Radin Hagane. The best friends team of Tsukasa Fujimoto and Arisa Nakajima will take on Yurika Oka and Ai Hosan. Unagi Saika and Mina Shirakawa will take on Rin Katakura and Haruka Umasaki. 
Chihiro Hashimoto and you will take on Mirai and Mika Osaki. And in the main event, Nagisa Nosaki, Saki, and Takumi Aroha will take on Mayumi Ozaki, Maya Yukihi, and Starlight Kid, which sounds like a really fun match. Oedo Tai Starlight Kid in with Osaki Goon. Uh, this show will be airing on a Japanese streaming service called Spooks. Um, same with that New Japan, All Japan joint show. Um, unfortunately, I don't believe it is even accessible overseas. I do know that the New Japan, that New Japan has said that that show will be appearing on uh, New Japan World at some point. Uh, so I am hopeful that maybe the stardom, you know, the matches with stardom talent will appear maybe on Stardom World and maybe with some of these Ice Ribbon, uh, Sendai Girls, Pure J matches maybe will appear on their YouTube, Club Ice Ribbon, something like that. Because uh, I think there's a lot of super fun matches. I mean, the Unagi and Mina match against uh, Rin Katakura and Haruka Umasaki, I think could be really fun. Uh, Team 200 Kilogram, Chihiro Hashimoto and Yu going up against uh, Mirai and Mika Ozaki sounds really fun. Uh, the main event sounds like a lot of fun. So a um, uh, show that I really hope will come out and we will be able to see at some point uh, soon. Seedling is going to have another show April 13th. Uh, Main evented by Asuka, Makoto, and Riko Kaiju going up against Yoshiko, Ryu Mizunami, and Riko Kawahata. That a preview match for their upcoming Korokin Hall show, which will have a tag title match between Asuka and Makoto defending their titles against Yoshiko and Ryu Mizunami. Uh, one of the bigger matches, one of the bigger shows in the next two weeks, as I mentioned in our opening, Tokyo Joshi's April 9th Korokin Hall show, their first Korokin Hall since their big sumo hall show. And the card is as follows. Opening the show, Palm Harajuku and Moka Miyamoto will take on Haruna Neko and Kaya Torabami. Marika Kobashi will take on Raku. Hyper Masao will take on Miyu Watanabe. Uh, Miyu Yamashita will take on the rookie, Juri Nagano. Maki Ito and Yuki Kamafuku will take on Hikari Noah and Naokakuda. Saki Akai and Yuki Arai will take on Rika Tatsumi and Mahiro Kiryu. And the two title matches on this show, the Princess Tag Team titles, Magical Sugar Rabbits, the champions, the team of Yuka Sakazaki and Mizaki, Mizuki uh, will take on Suzume and Ariso Endo. And the main event, the Princess of Princess title, Shoko Nakajima defends her newly won title for the first time against Yuki I you know. I mean, a pretty good card here. Certainly the big thing in that uh, lower card is Miyu against Juria Nagano. Sort of the match that people talked about right when she debuted. You know, the idea of that match down the road. And here we are, already getting it. I think that could be really fun. And I think in a singles match, uh, we will really be able to see exactly where Juria stands in terms of her in-ring ability. Uh, how far progressed she is. You know, she was in that debut match at Sumo Hall, you know, with many other people. Didn't have a ton of in-ring time. So this, I think, really her first big test. 
and two interesting ta- or two interesting title matches, I should say, at the top of the card. Uh, one of those where I think it would be very interesting to see Suzume and Ariso Endo win those tag team titles. Not sure that it will happen. Um, and same with the Princess Apprentice title. You know, Yuki Aeno, someone who obviously has the reasoning now with Nadoka retiring, uh, but someone I think I see currently more at the sort of international princess level in terms of... Uh, title that she could probably challenge for and win Um, but we will see and hopefully have some good matches there and i'm sure that we will talk about that on the next episode but tokyo joshi is not done the very next day they have their next iteration of their inspiration series of shows an interesting card here kaya torabami going up against miyamashita yuka sakazaki taking on moka miyamoto rika tatsumi taking on suzume and the big Tag match, Marika Kobashi teaming with Abdullah Kobayashi, one of her heroes, to take on Saki and Antonio Honda. So quite an interesting uh, tag there. I'm a big fan of Kobayashi, so happy to see him. I think all of these inspiration shows have been super fun, breezy, easy watches, you know, last an hour maybe an hour plus, uh, and you get to see some things that maybe you wouldn't see otherwise, so I'm looking forward to that. And then Tokyo Joshi also has a show on April 17th, but nothing has yet been announced. I'm sure that will be announced after the event of Corican Hall. Sendai Girls has a show on April 14th. Uh, Maria taking on Eureka Oka, Manami taking on Ayame Sasamura, Asuka teaming with Canon to take on Seriano and Tomoka Inaba. That's a very interesting match. Dash Chizako taking on Ryo Mizunami in a singles match. And Chihiro Hashimoto and Yu taking on Mika Iwata and Miyuki Takase. So that's a super interesting card. And Ice Ribbon on April 17th has Saki and Hikari Shimizu defending their recently won tag titles against Tsukasa Fujimoto and Kaho Matsuhida. So that is everything coming up in the next two weeks. We will definitely be talking about that Tokyo Joshi Korokin Hall show. Uh, if that Korokin 60th anniversary show uh, is accessible before we record, don't know if that's going to be possible, but maybe if it is, we will talk about it. And we will certainly be talking about all the events of the Stardom Cinderella Tournament. So that is everything for this episode of Jumping Bomb Audio. Hopefully next time when we join you, we will once again be the gruesome twosome of Taylor and Kelly. But for now, my name is Taylor and thank you for joining me for this episode of Jumping Bomb Audio. See you next time. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.